The mere telling helps me to restore confidence in my own faculties, to reassure myself that I was not simply the first to succumb to a contagious nightmare hallucination. Sort of like the hallucinations that people have about how successful they'll be at adapting the literary work of H.P. Lovecraft. Allow the cast of Cthulhu to be your guide through the world of cinematic Lovecraft adaptations from the superb to the truly cosmically horrific. I'm Jim Rohner. And I'm James McCormick. And today we'll be reviewing 2007's Cthulhu, written by Grant Cogswell and directed by Dan Gilmark. And <laughs> now we've only been doing this for, uh, this is our third episode. Yes. And in the intro, when I say from the from the superb to the true, truly cosmically horrific, I'm beginning to think it's going to be mostly skewing towards the truly cosmically horrific. Cosmically horrific or just cosmically questioning boring or just what was that yeah kind of yeah i mean i would that, that i think that's like when we when we first started talking about this like our fear mm-hmm. like like the the fear of darkness or the fear of just a lot of just not really good films and just using the name or not really connecting the dots of like what lovecraft was trying to do yes and and i I, pop culture probably should have warned us because it seems like uh well apologies new york city is they're coming to take us away (laughs) (laughs) we're we're reviewing cotillion um because because really i mean when you think of a lot of uh, a, a lot of outside media that that you know lovecraft's brand or name is attached to it's like bad metal bands um, True. Like indie comics that are just kind of like uh, violent or horrific and just kind of a lot of stuff which seems to miss the point. And we've talked yeah. in the intro episode about how, you know, Lovecraft was certainly or at least the the adaptations of his work. There are there's no shortage of them. And yet, man, I mean, you'd figure with that much stuff like mathematically, something's got to hit at some point. Right. Right. I mean, because you, you think of like you know, Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. who we also spoke about. And I try to think of all his like adaptations, you know, like, like, like the Corman adaptations and they're all mm-hmm. pretty solid yeah. for what they are with Vincent Price. You know, you had like a trillium and then some other ones here and there that are pretty good. You know, some, sometimes they'll come out with like something like the Raven with John Cusack, where it's like an action film with Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> right. Like he's detective action. Like, like, a like, like the uh, Sherlock Holmes with, you know, um, Robert Downey Jr., that kind of style. But at least it's trying something stupid with it. But I don't know what it is with, like, Lovecraft. I, 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 I Like you said, either they go for just the horrifically violent stuff, like Tentacle Monster that rips people apart, yep. or Sea Monster or something. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know, I guess, or something like this movie where it's just... I, I, I guess... <laughs> I don't know even where to begin, but like trying to be more lofty, trying to like be like very, I guess you'd say intellectual, like very slow burn. And and I, you're probably like me. I like a good slow burn. Sure. But you have to earn it. You have to give me a payoff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it wouldn't even be uh, like for this one, I would have settled for even a bad payoff. There is zero payoff in this. Um, right. But I before, I mean, so you can see where we're going with this episode. But before we get into the episode, I did want to first tend to a little bit of, of housekeeping. 
Um, we did, of course, say this would be a bi-weekly podcast, and we're a little bit late on this one. Schedules couldn't really sync up, but we'll make up for it by uh, this one. Uh, we'll be doing this one, then probably we'll put out the, one, the the next episode next week, so you don't have to wait too long. And then, um, in theory, we'll get back to our bi-weekly schedule, but uh, who knows if that'll happen. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, trust me, unless people are, like, banging on our doors... You know, I think I think people are okay with our <laughs> yeah. slightly erratic schedule. I yeah. think we're still pretty good right now. <laughs> I, I I haven't had any email complaints about it. But speaking of email, we did we yes. did get our first email from a listener. This um, is cool. And, and James, I don't know when you were on Criterion Cast or Cine Awesome. I don't know how like or how frequently you got viewer feedback, but Criterion Cast, we actually did get a decent amount. Okay. Um, funny enough. The most we ever got was an episode I wasn't on, <laughs> and it was the funny enough it was an episode I really wanted to do, which was the Night Porter. Uh-oh. But but I'm glad I wasn't on that episode because for some reason Ryan, I remember Ryan telling me that all all the emails he got were from psycho neo Nazis that were complaining about us not the, the show not talking about the Nazi imagery. Like I, it was like bizarre like <laughs> like maybe like 15 emails from like neo-nazis i'm like what like why are you listen to the criteria cast in the first place and to like really for the night for like i understand what it's about but really like <laughs> okay that's weird but and sin awesome we got a few here and there but like nothing nothing crazy and usually it was complimentary but this one was an interesting one but but it was cool i i, I was happy to see that we got something in the email yeah listen i'm i'm just happy that people are listening and and, and not yeah. people that are our immediate uh social circles basically um <laughs> but th- this is an email from uh, a guy named albert knock he gave me permission to to mention his name and read the email out loud but he was responding to the introductory episode and kind of adding his own uh sort of his own little expertise or or, or kind of um insight to the material and he says uh lovecraft was a firm materialist who rejected the notion of souls which is one of the things that helps distinguish the style of cosmic horror he developed from the earlier gothic style which makes a lot of sense uh if you read ambrose uh, ambrose bierce's can such things be there's one story involving an android while the rest are all ghost stories that's that's actually kind of interesting (laughs) yeah that is yeah (laughs) um Lovecraft was definitely influenced by Poe when he was young, but Poe draws much more on the romantic movement in art which was partially a reaction against the enlightenment whereas Lovecraft seemed to be the opinion the peak of civilization was in England just prior to that reaction. And that's true. Lovecraft was very much an Anglophile. You can tell that by his his flowery, uh, flowery language. And then Albert then goes on to recommend that we check out the book The Better Angels of Our Nature by Steve Pinker because he seems to believe that our our assessment of the world is, is shitty and getting shittier is is not the case. And, and the, the Better Angels on Our Shoulders is a book about how uh, violent crime is declining. but um, you know, if you're a, if you're an LGBTQIA uh, member of society or an immigrant in America today, maybe you uh, disagree with the assessment that things yeah. are getting worse. <laughs> um, but it, but it, it was I mean we we don't mean to be uh, cynical. We are certainly happy that people are listening and chiming in. That is great. And certainly uh, a reminder, as always, if you want to chime in on us or or to us, whether you disagree with our assessment of something or agree or just kind of want to add your own little color moviesofmadness at gmail.com it's easy enough uh yeah. and we'll 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 get back to you sooner rather than later oh and one, one thing I, I actually did want to add too is albert also then went on to to recommend um the call of cthulhu and other weird stories specifically the annotated version that had annotations from st joshi 
Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, he's he's the preeminent like Lovecraft scholar in the world, basically. And mm -hmm. uh, peek behind the curtain, a lot of notes that I take on these episodes uh, come from his annotations from that exact manuscript, if you will. And speaking of notes, James, let me give you a little bit of background on uh, on the, the Shadow over Innsmouth, which Cthulhu is based on, even though it's called Cthulhu. Yes. Um, Shadow over Innsmouth was uh, written in November to December of 1931. Lovecraft actually disliked the story so much, he refused to submit it anywhere. Uh, a friend of his that he had been corresponding with, August Derleth, uh, submitted it, uh, submitted a copy without Lovecraft's knowledge to a, a magazine publication called Weird Tales in 1933, where it was rejected because it could not be broken up into a serial nature, uh, sort of like Herbert West Reanimator. Um, it was finally published in 1936 as a separate booklet, um, the only book to be published in Lovecraft's lifetime. Uh, yeah. which is kind of weird when you think of his much longer stuff like Whisper in Darkness or At the Mountains of Madness or something like right. that. But, uh, um, and, and yeah, so <laughs> this is, I, I'd say it's, I, I say that this movie is based on The Shadow Over Innsmouth, um, loosely, let's say. Yeah, it's loose. It's very loose. <laughs> um, and, uh, Innsmouth, uh, the, the story itself, and, and as a city, was inspired by a visit to the, quote, decaying seaport of a Newburyport, Massachusetts, and is, um, and, and listen, uh, yeah, yeah. similar to the theme that we've established, there's a, a lot of problematic material, there, there is a, not even just hints, there is a threat of racism within this story, um, it, it you know, it talks about the dangers of, um, miscegenation, and that is uh, a fancy word for, um, inbreeding, uh, with different racial types, and, yeah, the Shadow Over Innsmouth certainly is about a, a, a town which has sort of met its uh, cultural and physical and, uh, and emotional and spiritual destruction due to inbreeding with the, the old ones, these underwater uh, deep sea creatures that are, are older than mankind. But also, um, uh, this story does talk a lot about how, uh, how when this Obed Marsh uh, sailed off, uh, what sort of, uh, of terrible foreign people was he taking back and interbreeding with? So it's... It's not Lovecraft's finest hour. No, I mean, and I mean, like we said, like this is, you know, uh, Stuart Gordon's Dagon is, of course, closer to, <laughs> yeah. you know, in, mm. in ways. But yeah, it's I know it, I, every time the racial stuff comes up, I just get so pissed. I'm like, come on, like, because because look at right now, like we were we were joking about this even from the last episodes where um, now all of a sudden so much Lovecraft stuff is being produced like mm. at once now. Yeah. Like, you know, we have now supposedly a trilogy of films coming from, um, Spectre Elijah Vision. Woods, yeah, yeah. about the Elijah Woods ca company. And then, um, you got what love Lovecraft County from oh, Jordan Peele. Yeah. How did I forget about that? Right. That's coming soon. Mm -hmm. And then there's been the rumor, you know, I know they had made a pilot, but then it got passed on. But then, um, Supposedly they're making another one or something with um Joe Hill's um book, um comic series. Oh, um, okay. Which one was that? That was um why can't I remember the name? I'll I look it up. I'll... It, it it it's a horror series that he did, but basically it, like they lived in like the Lovecraft house or Oh, interesting. Um, I'm gonna look it up real quick, but um but yeah, it's like all of a sudden it's uh and of course, I won't be able to find it now. But yeah, it's kind of funny that all of a sudden you have all these different things coming out. Lock and key. 
Lock and Key is the comic series. Okay, got it. And and it has like elements of like like it's almost like if Stephen King, because of course Joe Hill's his son, but like if Stephen King wrote a because it kind of has like the whole thing with the children that are very there's much more to them. They have like almost like powers in a way, but also with this evil old like demon that's like trying to like corrupt them. And it's like really good, really good comic series. But supposedly they're adapting that too. And that's only a little bit off the surface. And of course, every time I <laughs> check Amazon Prime, it seems like there's some other Lovecraft director video movie something. And it's hard to navigate. Like every time I'm like, Maybe I'll watch this for the for the show just to see if it's any good. Then I go, no, I can't do that. Like this looks like, like that one we were talking about that cold cold air. Right, that trailer alone was like, but I I will try to venture into that one day. But so I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and and to and you know to to push back on our on our friend Albert's email, like there is so much horror in the world and kind of like existential threats to people that it seems like of course the time is ripe for his work to kind of be rediscovered or just kind of reevaluated. and so we we talked about this in the pilot too that i remember about like lovecraft country is going to be cool because it's being produced by jordan peele and this idea of um exploring the other side of of racism within this uh, right. You know, uh, there's this racial response to this kind of environment is certainly interesting. And I even mentioned this idea of great because sexuality wasn't so much a thing in Lovecraft in Lovecraft's work. I was excited about Cthulhu because of this idea of cool. We're introducing a, a, a homosexual protagonist into this, which is great because when it comes to the conflict with you know his religious quote unquote religious family, it adds an immediate source of tension because that's the, something that we can all sort of relate to. I mean, I, I growing up in the evangelical community, I knew plenty of people who were kind of estranged from their family because it's like, Hey, I came out and my parents thought that was a sin. So I never saw them again. And it, so it immediately sets up that sort of like tension and separation. And also that idea of, um, I, I know that the, the character of, uh, what is his name? Russell Marsh. Russell. Russell. Yeah. Um. You know, has has a he's when he's yelling at his father, he's like, "You made me like this." You know, as not in the sense of like feel bad for me, but he kind of throws that in his dad's face, which I thought was that a cool element to explore of like your roots and what does it mean, you know, to kind of be who you are and where you come from, which is something that the film the the story explores. But you know, all this film had was promise, and it it didn't fulfill any of it. Yeah, like like you said earlier, if even if there was some stupid like crazy ending or something ridiculous looking like like a serpent monster just like <laughs> slurping on people, like I would have at least said, okay, well at least they gave you that. But it's like you said, it just ends, and you kind of go, okay, did I did I miss something? Did I? Did, and then like I was gonna watch it again, but I'm like, no, I I I remember everything. Oh, yeah, I just remember it. just it was just straight and narrow. It's I almost felt like they, they, there was something in the script that they took out, like something like more monstrous or something. And that like because we were saying with the flashbacks that kind of intriguing, like like when he tried to kill himself at one point in his mm. life and. You know, like the weird dreams and like him, wake, you know, and like, OK, but it doesn't equal to anything. No. And and, and I was I, I got to be honest with you. I was 
for the first, I'd say, 15 minutes, I was kind of on board with this movie yeah. because it it, it, set, it, it does a, a somewhat decent job of laying the groundwork of like, hey, there's something apocaly- vaguely apocalyptical in the air. I mean, when he's driving his car, you hear the news stories of like, exactly. you know, the, the last polar bear in the wild has died. There's tension in the Middle East. You kind of get the sense of like, okay, oh. it seems like the world's kind of going to shit and... Uh, this guy is going home because his mom died. He clearly doesn't want to be here, but he's returning. And like, and so that idea of the outside world sucks, uh, and his internal world is also kind of tumultuous. Is like, cool. All right, we 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 got a kind of a good setup here. And then, and, and like you said, with the flashbacks of just okay, there's some childhood trauma there. Um, and and then it just all falls apart because basically the story has this weird combination of lip service to certain Lovecraft elements without Mm -hmm. them, like, holding up the story. And also, once again, as we discussed with um, uh, Beyond Reanimator, or even, hell, Bride of Reanimator, just kind of a fundamental misunderstanding of what makes a good Lovecraft story. Um, And we're not alone in this one. Let me give you a little bit of of background on Cthulhu (laughs) as well. Currently sits with a 4.6 4.6 out of 10 stars on IMDb with over 1,800 reviews. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're not alone in this. A 28% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, um, yet oddly a 62% fresh rating from critics, which is generous. Um, according to IMDb, screenwriter and executive producer Grant Cogswell sold his house and everything he owned to help finance Cthulhu, which... I mean, <laughs> and, um, I mean, I don't want to... Yeah, like, hopefully he either got some i don't i don't i hopefully got something back for it like yeah filmmaking's hard that's really what that tells you like you gotta sell your blood sell your house and hopefully had something returned like something i I mean listen yeah because filmmaking especially indie filmmaking um it, it is a sacrifice it requires a lot of work and certainly there are plenty of tales of those people sacrificing and giving up everything i mean hell Robert Rodriguez, like, sold his blood and was, like, volunteered to be part of certain experiments so that he could finance yeah. El Mariachi. And he's made a career out of it. And he certainly has. But just imagine, James, being, like, Grant Cogswell's good friend. You've been seeing him and the suffering he's been going through for months. He sits down. He shows you this movie. And he's like, what did you think? You don't want to be mean. You go, okay. Um... What do I do? <laughs> I don't know. And, and I, once again, we we sort of have these these kind of this lip service to Lovecraft story. I'm in the shadow over Innsmouth to put it very quickly. Um, a guy is a you know he he explores this ancient decrepit town uh, uh, called Innsmouth, in which you know it is uh, industry has clearly left. It's only got about three hundred four hundred people living there. That's um, all this spirituality has left being uh, replaced by the esoteric order of Dagon. Um, all the weird, all the people who live there kind of have a weird kind of shambly look about them. And, you know, we do eventually discover through a, a long exposition by a man named um, Albert Zadok that the town used to be prosperous, but they made a kind of a deal with the devil with the old ones to kind of uh, ensure that the fishing industry uh, was a was a, was a boon, and then eventually they started interbreeding with these old ones, and eventually um, things kind of fell apart from there. With a, a big twist at the end, kind of being that this guy, the narrator, kind of realizes he is a descendant of Obed Marsh, and he, like the rest of his descendants, will eventually turn into one of these 
deep ones and return uh, with his kin underneath the sea. And so it has this idea, this this terrifying idea, one of the themes that Lovecraft dealt with of like the inescapable fate of your origins or your blood, which when he has the element of um, it's your foreign blood, which is poison, is horrific. Oh, yeah. Uh, but if you look at it as sort of the sins of the father kind of a thing, that could be really interesting. This film avoids that by... Like, the, the this idea of, I don't know, the maybe this is nitpicky, um, but the esoteric order of Dagon in the story kind of stood as sort of just a symbol of what the town had given up, or, you know, the kind of the soul being lost, whereas in this one, it's it's weird because it's almost as though it's supposed to be seen as like a a revitalizing force or like or or a, a cult. Um, yeah, that is 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 a helping to work or, or bring the apocalypse to fruition. Even though it seems like the apocalypse comes no matter what they did, it just sort yeah. of happened anyway. It was happening around the world no matter what. So mm-hmm. did they really do anything or just there? They happened to be in the right. Um, cult at the time like mm-hmm. oh see we did it we did it like we're the ones <laughs> yeah like, well in, did you? it's weird because it sets them up as like oh my my shameful gay son returning because you know i think i think in that awkward dinner scene which is actually kind of interesting emotionally yeah um there's this like he, the dad says something like are you still homosexual or like that kind of a thing and so you you do kind of it it, it would have us believe that this is a divide that is long standing and yet also, somehow, Russell is supposed to be this, like, the chosen one to bring about the apocalypse, I guess? Right. Like, so, yeah, like, he comes out, and then, like, he he's ostracized by his father, but he's supposed to be the chosen one. That's like, in a way, it's like if, um, you know, Mary and Joseph with Jesus, oh, you're the chosen one, but get the, get the hell out of here. Um, <laughs> we don't want anything to do with you. It's weird, and I I gotta say, uh, the the guy that plays Russell Marsh, Jason Cottle, he, he sometimes he's not bad. I mean, yeah, he does the best he can with what he's got. Yeah, like like you, you, I felt for him at parts, and like you could tell, like, but like I said, it felt very, it felt very like Fox Searchlight movie, but then mixed with like trying to be like throwing, so like you said, fan service of Lovecraft stuff in there. Yeah, and it's like doesn't really feel like it like i don't know it doesn't it doesn't add up and it, it that's kind of like worse than to me just a straight up bad movie yeah cuz it, it hit on you know the the name marsh is is obviously from the story albert zadok is zadok the old yeah. drunk who kind of you know let me let me take you audience by the arm and tell you what's been going on in this town which i i recently relived the shadow over innsmouth uh the albert zadok part is it's long, like it's multiple pages of kind of a, a, a an authentic New England dialect, which is like, OK, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. Um, and and like we said, the esoteric order of Dagon is there. But then it's also kind of like, hey, let's throw in Cthulhu, too, because that's a name people recognize. Like, I, you know, right. It, it just sort of hit upon a lot of things like, well, we got to, you know, Easter eggs without those Easter eggs actually kind of supporting or upholding a story which sort of made sense and was engaged. And also, can I ask a question? Does anyone in this universe understand what homosexuality is? It doesn't seem like it. Like, even in the beginning with the weird, like, you know, when he gets the call and he stand, and of course, that's when you kind of, you get that little scene with the his lover, whoever is in the bed. Oh, that sucks. 
Can I have twenty dollars? And I'm just like, I'm like, what the hell? Like, like, I, I actually didn't even understand that. Like, is that is like just a guy he slept with? Like, like it's just a very weird scene, like thrown in there. Like, oh, by the way, he's gay. Like, you couldn't just have him with a like his lover or boyfriend saying, oh, I'm so sorry, and then cuts. It's a very weird scene to me. Like, it, and it, it kind of it it sets a weird precedent too. Like, can I have twenty dollars? Like, okay, it, it, I mean. He's clearly well. I guess I was about to say he's clearly not a prostitute because what prostitute? No, only, exactly. Only charges twenty dollars. But at the same time, if that is the impression you're going to give off, like, okay, well, you've set this guy up as like, well, he's a sexual deviant, which like, you've automatically put your it's character weird, behind yeah, it's, it's Yeah, because I mean, the problem is people, you know, as as a film goer, you know, you watch the film, you you're going to assume like, whatever your base first thing is to assume with a scene, you're like. And it's never referenced ever, mm-hmm. so you're like, okay, I don't know what that even was put in there for. This film in in the IMDb kind of uh, scores is referred to a lot of times, and I think they're trying to be derisive about it by like it's it's the gay Lovecraft film, right? That's what it got. It's kind that's kind of like why you and I chose it because oh, this is sounds really intriguing. I thought it would really explore something that was interesting a different angle, but the thing here is, the filmmakers kind of. Like yes, they they wrote this character as as gay, but almost sort of like in a in a token gimmicky sort of way, because the character himself does not stick to his sexuality by seeming and maybe you interpret it differently. When Tori Spelling is trying to seduce him, it seemed mm-hmm. like he was kind of into it, like conflicted, a little bit. but but kind of into it. But they also kind of reference like when um, I forgot his friends, like former friend, but now like Dick. Trying to become friends again. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was Mike. Maybe yeah. Mike. Yeah, yeah Mike. the one that. So like, and he kind of asks that question the first, like the first time they're because when the girl leaves, like they take she takes the picture. Oh, here, keep the camera. You could, you guys can catch up. <laughs> and then like during the conversation, he kind of even asks while he's having a flashback about the woman he was with back then, and he just says, "While well, trying to figure myself out." Yeah, which is fine that's like it makes sense but like you said that later on it's kind of like is he still trying to figure himself out it's very i mean is tori spelling that seductive <laughs> well yeah and and to be clear, you know yeah and and to be clear neither james nor i are saying uh that there's anything wrong with this oh no and it's not as though it's like you know bisexuality is certainly not a problem uh changing sexual identity is certainly not a problem like that's all wonderful and good but the rules or at least the internal logic that the characters are set up by the filmmakers are then abandoned and you introduce this idea of cool um having a a a gay character in this movie is going to set this universe up in a world or or we're going to see it from a different perspective which is going to feed into, like I said, that conflict and that sort of thing, this idea of the origins of who you are and, and, and what that means to your family, to your town, to your past. That's awesome. But then, when you just kind of have it as sort of like a, this is a gimmicky thing, like, if you make this character not gay, it changes the film not at all. Right. It, right. It, it just it just becomes a, it, it's, it, becomes a, it becomes a gimmick, and I think that that's, Kind of insulting, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's like, I mean, you can, you can even look at other films, not not horror, but like any film that has either a gay character in it that's like the main character. If you change the sexuality, does it change the movie? Like, certain movies it would. Like, mm-hmm. Philadelphia. 
it changes it completely. Sure. Like, like, you know, but then like same thing, like, you know, with the complaints about, you know, it's not enough people like Jordan Peele trying to make more horror films for black audiences. Yeah. That's amazing mm-hmm. because it is underutilized. And same thing. I, I agree. Same thing with gay characters in movies. It's very underutilized. And that's why I was like so excited. And it's like when you could switch it out so easily, that doesn't matter. Like that's not a thread. It's just kind of sprinkled in every so often. Like, you know, like you said, his father, are you still a homosexual um, seduction? Like, like it would have been more interesting, like almost like if it wasn't like a Tory spelling, but like just this guy that was so charismatic. Yeah. That was like flirt, you know, that was being seductive towards him. And like, even though he's trying so hard, like to not go into this cult and of, so- of sorts, but he can't help it. Like that'd be more interesting, but no, let's just, we, we, we somehow called it a favor to Tori spelling. She's a name. So maybe, but I'll be honest when I, when I heard about this movie even years ago and always was interested and I heard about it as being like the gay Lovecraft film. That's what everyone kept kind of whispering. Oh, gay Lovecraft film. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Never knew love. Um, Tori spelling was in it. I actually, up until when we finally were to watch it, I was like, Tori Spelling's in this? I had no idea. Right. So so I don't even know she she wasn't like they didn't put her name like crazy on the thing, like Tori Spelling, and then everyone she's there, but so I don't know. It's it, this is like such a missed opportunity. Like and that's even more painful. Like it wasn't like it was an awful film. <clears throat> it just wasn't really much to it. No, and, and and that's the thing, because if you're gonna have if you're gonna have that the character with that identity, then you can take two routes with it. You can take it where it's we're gonna explore this perspective and this person as someone who is in this environment, um the minority or the shunned person, um, which unfortunately is still the case in, in a lot of uh mainstream America. Yeah. Or here's another approach to like he's gay. Doesn't matter. Just a regular person, like, we're just going to have representation. Right. That's cool, too. The film cool doesn't neither of those things. Exactly. No, you're right. Exactly. Like, that That would have been cool to, like, he just happens to be gay. Okay, cool. Awesome. Fine. Like, but but it's almost, like, ignored. Like, like he, you could tell, like, you know, you know, he he likes to, you know, the friend, like, you know, the certain, like, little thing. And I think that's more the actor mm-hmm. doing a good job with what little he had. Trying to be, like, showing that he's gay like you know this is who i am like i little little nods little winks little emotional smile that's i think just more of the the actor and maybe even like you could say the director trying to convey it even now that we're talking about it um i think what they were trying to do with the ending in which i i believe we're supposed to believe that russell ends up killing mike or sacrificing mike that's that's what i assume too yeah i think it's supposed to be his devolving into like because now he's killing mike who is the i i guess the he's now the token gay one he is the sacrifice which would seem like that would be the end of russell's devolving into like you know he sacrificed his his soul to kill mike but right and that would have made more sense if there was more like let's say you know let's say the character starts out as a uh as someone who is in the closet or still un or, or still uncomfortable or or not hasn't fully embraced his own identity yet. Coming back home, seeing this this guy that he had this past with, starts to embrace that this is who I am. Right. And then gives that up to kind of like to make the sacrifice or to get into the cult, you know, like, you know, sacrifices what he knows of himself to be, to be with this attractive blonde woman 
then you have a, an interesting arc there in a the sense of like he was about to embrace it and then gave up his soul. That's cool. That's cool because he gives it up just because almost to get almost to be with the status quo. Yeah. It, like, no, oh, yeah, well, it, it's easy to be straight. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that'd be really interesting. That'd yeah. be great. They'd be like, oh, wow, that that that's screw. You know what? That's more horrific. Like, oh, my God, he he couldn't love himself. Yeah. So he just see, we just made a better movie. Just yeah. Like talking about <laughs> yeah. yeah, because because then you have then you take that yeah. theme from the story of like the oh, God, the horror of, of who you really are and turns on his head by like, no, there's a greatness in accepting who you are. And right. he and he shunned that or he rejected that. That's a that's a cool angle to take, and yet instead this film is just kind of like, no, he was always this way, and then just kind of flirted with this woman who raped him, and then, uh, I don't know, becomes the chosen one and kills his friend at the end because of reasons, I guess. Yeah, because it's easier that way, right? Yeah. It's, easy, it's easier to sacrifice the friend you had for years <laughs> that you probably, like, love deep down. Yeah, and, and, and for what okay. purpose? Like, what, what, is, right. what, what is he gaining? The apocalypse? I, I I don't know. Like no, you're right. It's just like what 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 is accomplished with it all? Mm -hmm. The credits. That's what's accomplished. Right? Ultimately, <laughs> yeah. like oh okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Now, was there was there anything in this movie that scared you, or you thought was interesting, or or, or showed some type of talent or flair in any any way, shape, or form? Um, nothing scared me. I mean, that like you you even said like in the notes and i agree with you like there's nothing scary there's some of the stuff with the flashbacks and like i said like the little things little twinges i'm like okay i want to see that explored like it's you know not scary but like a, a little creepiness like thrown in like it's building towards something and like it's shot decently well like yeah. it's not like mm -hmm. nothing mind-blowing but it's it's competent it's it's a competently made film it's that and that's the thing it looks like a film, talks like a film. <laughs> it's a film, but it's not an interesting film. Like it on the outside, like when you see it, like oh the name, oh okay, it's Lovecraft. Then you hear about the gay subtext. Oh okay, cool, it's a gay Lovecraft film. You have all these elements that make you go, man, this is gonna be good. Like yeah. I'm gonna, I'm really interested in this. And then you watch it, and it's like, okay, that's an hour and forty minutes. <laughs> I didn't waste an hour and forty, but it was like okay. That was an hour and 40 minutes. Like if I happen to run across another film, this guy made, I wouldn't shut it off, but I wouldn't look for it either. No. And I see he hasn't made a film since. Yeah. And I do wonder if that is, I mean, cause you do, you certainly do also hear about these people that kind of take a foray into filmmaking and then they, yeah. that's it. Um, I don't know. There, there's a there was a, a a card playing movie that came out in like 2006, I think, called Shade. Um, I remember Shade. Oh, with um and Stallone's in that, yes, right? Yes, Stallone. It, yes, it's, it's got a weird cast. It's got Stallone. Yeah, it's got a uh, Jamie Fox. Yep, it's, it's got a uh, Ralph Macchio's in it for a little bit. Um, uh, and there's um, it's not it's uh, who was the the woman that co-starred in in a uh, Bonfire of the Vanities? Oh, um, um, um... Melanie Griffith. Melanie Griffith, yeah. yeah. So it's got her, like, it's a... Wow, it's, so it's a pretty good cast, yeah. like, for a lower, but... but uh, a, a, a wonderful character actor, Mark Boone Jr., shows up in it as well, but... Oh, Mark Boone Jr.'s great. I yeah. love Mark Boone Jr. Um, it, it's the only movie this guy ever did, and by all accounts, it doesn't seem like it's because he, he failed. Like, that was just the one story he wanted to make, and then he's like, eh, moving on. 
but then again, like, you know, knowing some people in the film industry myself, like that have either tried to make a film or have made shorts, but like never a feature because it's freaking hard. It's very hard. And yeah. I, and I think, and, and the money's like, like usually not there. And like people say, don't make that excuse. You can make a movie for nothing. Yeah. But it'll look like you made it for nothing. Like <laughs> a lot of times, a lot of films I'll see, like someone say, Oh, it was made with like an iPhone. Yeah. But not everyone is like high, you know, top tier filmmaker that can make a film with an iPhone. Listen, even top tier filmmakers, because uh, sure, Unsane was shot in an iPhone and it looks like it was shot. In it an looks iPhone. like it. it. At least it's it's a good it's it's well, it's it's Soderbergh making like an interesting film, but it looks it looks like crap. Like, yeah. but but I but that's fine. You know, mm -hmm. like he intended it, I guess, to make it look like crap. But oh. yeah, who knows what happened with Dan Gildar? He does have some talent there. there he he yeah. has a decent eye like there's. Um, a shot very near the beginning when uh, when Russell's kind of uh, rowing out at sunset when all those like hooded oh. figures are coming into the yeah. the net. Oh, it's a really cool shot. Um, yeah. And even yeah. even um, later on in the film when he stumbles into the house and there's sort of a wide shot of him sitting in front of the TV. It's yeah. It, it's got it's got a good uh, good framing, good blocking. Um, and the the one sequence which I thought was mildly interesting was uh, he's underground and he's taking the the random snapshots with the the uh the the wind-up camera um yes which yes. then shows the the uh the this film's version of, of the interbreeded um monstrous like creatures it was a cool sequence it was done much better in uh in saw a couple years earlier uh but you know this is a guy who clearly like it seems like he had some ideas and he's like oh you know i got i got access to this cool basement here's a sequence i can shoot um, yeah, we, we can shoot at this, at this old wooden, like, boathouse, like, we can do something here, but just, it all kind of feels sort of piecemeal and not really connected at the end of the day. See, I was trying to look up the, um, the cinematographer okay. for this, and a guy named Sean Kirby, and he's done a lot of stuff, like, a few Netflix things, like, I guess he did three episodes of that. That miniseries, um, that five came back about the film directors that went, you know, like um, oh yeah, yeah, okay, John Huston and like all that that went to World War Two. Oh, cool. Right. So like, so like, you know, he has a wow. Okay, I didn't even know about this documentary. Too funny to fail. The life and death of the Dana Carvey show, which I used to watch oh, the no. one year, one or two years it was on. I actually liked that show. Oh wow, they made a documentary about that. Like yeah, I think it was right. only one season that that show right. lasted. They made they made it. Yeah, they wow. Yeah, Robert <laughs> Smigel, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, all the people. Dana Carvey. Okay, I'm gonna have to look for that. But that could be it too. Like you know, he probably had a good cinematographer, you know, he's a working cinematographer, like, he's done, like, almost 50 things. Yeah. So, that's also, like, the guy has a good eye, and like you said, it, they're competent shots, and, like, it, that's why, that's why ultimately, like, when you had messaged me earlier in the week, and, like, talking about the film, like, oh, yeah, like, you kind of almost, like, a warning, <laughs> like, you know, warning, like, you, you did not dig this film, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm, I know I'm usually more like sympathetic or I guess more uh, forgiving of mm -hmm. crappy films. <laughs> I am. Um, I like shit. <laughs> it's just my it's, it's it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but when something's just like boring and like nothing to it, I I I'm almost more like 
like I, I just shrug and I go, okay, I'll never watch that again. I'm glad it was on Amazon Prime though. So like if anyone wants to, you know, I don't think we've sold this film, but hmm. if people want to watch it to kind of tag along, watch it on Amazon Prime. It's there, you know, and you can watch. You could you could spend an hour and forty minutes. That was the other thing. Like when the when I saw the time too, I was like, ooh, hour and forty. Okay. I don't know why that extra 10, like when I see hour and 30, I go, okay, 90 minutes. But when I see the hour and 40, I'm like, Ooh, a hundred. You got <laughs> like, does it need to be that long? It, it, and, and I mean, and also because of how kind of disjointed the film does feel. If you also told me like, Oh, and they also cut like 20 minutes out of it. I'd believe that too. I wouldn't want to see yeah. that 20 minutes. No, but I could believe it. Yeah. But I could absolutely believe it. They cut all the monster stuff out. You know, like <laughs> the interesting stuff. <laughs> Imagine that. Like, oh, we wanted to get a and and that's the thing. The, this film's rated R, right? Like, it's. I, I right? believe I believe so. Let me. Uh, I I've got it called I up. I believe on... it is. It just does it seem like an R-rated film though? It's little bits, but nothing like. It it is it is rated R. Um, and I suppose I mean. Yeah, I mean, if we get down to it, there's there's a scene of sexual assault. Yes, that's the worst. That's the that's the scene. That's the R-rated scene right there. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose that there are you know adult elements in the sense of uh, well, there, there's the, you know the the flashback to the the allusion to suicide. Yeah, um, the blood squirting. Yeah, I mean it, this bits. Yeah. Oh, and and uh, um, this was also something I, I remembered I wanted to mention as well. When it when it seems like Russell is starting to kind of descend into madness, he starts calling like everyone like fucking inbreds and like that sort of thing. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I don't know why I blocked that out for some reason. <laughs> I think that felt the most Lovecraft in the film. <laughs> you know? and, and yeah, that, that honestly, that was the moment where I'm like, this is getting a, like kind of close to Lovecraft's narrator, and I'm, I'm not very comfortable with it. No, me either. It's like, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, but like I said, it's a film. It, it is, and also it, it's like, it's, if this isn't clear, it's not a very good adaptation either. No, I, I mean, I, I, I can appreciate the idea of like, we're going to kind of uh, take some of the trappings of Shadow over Innsmouth, but we're going to make it a more kind of intimate, emotional story. Because in, in the, the short story, there's what, three characters that actually talk. It's the it's the narrator. It's um, Zadok. And then it's uh, the grocery store clerk, basically. But right. This one, you know, has has a has a, a family. Oh, and also. uh James, did you recognize um, Russell's sister? What what is her name? Diane Marsh or Danny Marsh? She looks from she looked familiar. I I didn't look her up. But it, it is a uh, actress Carabuono, uh, who plays uh, the mom from Stranger Things, who really wants to have uh, commit statutory Sex. rape to uh yeah. It's an interesting. There's a lot of stuff about this which seemed like it could be interesting, and the execution was just botched so horribly. I mean, yeah. Once again, it doesn't really get that existential dread and, and especially at the end when like the apocalypse is supposed to be happening visually we just see it from like there's you know he's driving his car and there's like three people on the side of the road who are kind of like mad and like cars on fire it's like oh okay you're not really we don't get the scope of anything yeah i mean you could even like like how he did earlier with like the pole you know you said the polar bear has pat you know has died the last polar bear just replicated like you can show a little bit on the sidelines like you could have the same three actors on one side and just replicate it throughout like you know and show a news feed and show hell they what do they do like in other movies they show like in zombie films oh how do we replicate a zombie 
I'll just show, you know, like riots. I I was I was just thinking that right? like that opening montage from Twenty Eight Days Later. Yes, the, 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 it's per- throw that in there. It's convincing. You know, it's like okay, you could have thrown that same one. You'd be like, oh man, it's it, the, you know the world's going to hell, mm-hmm. and then it ends. You go, okay, cool. Okay, shit, mm-hmm. we're we're fucked. You know. Yeah. <laughs> It's just with no emotional investment in this character and his journey. It's like at the end, like what what am I supposed to feel at the end? Because it wasn't that. I can guarantee you. No, not at all. <laughs> Once again, this is only the third episode, so I shouldn't be feeling discouraged. But there's part of me which is like, damn it, James, are we ever going to encounter something that uh that we're actually going to enjoy? I think we will. I, I think we will too. I mean, especially considering uh, what we got coming up next week. And James, why don't, uh, why don't why don't you tell the listeners what we got uh, coming up next week? Let's see. Uh, so next week we have 2010's "The Color Out of Space," which people like 2010's "Color Out of Space." <laughs> yeah, I thought there was one with Nicolas Cage coming out. This one is the German black and white film um, directed by Kwon Vu, who mm-hmm. was a Korean that emigrated to Germany at a young age Mm -hmm. and made this Lovecraft adaptation. And it's one that I actually, before we even were going to do this, I actually just randomly watched and I don't want to say too much, but I was like, Oh, this is interesting. We should check this out. I got to say without getting into any spoilers, James recommended it. I was like, "Eh, all right. (laughs) It's not that I don't trust James opinion, but, but but trust me, like you said, yeah. A lot of times it's going to be crap. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, I watched it, and I got to say, when I first started reading Lovecraft, The Color Out of Space was probably the like my first favorite of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had I had some high hopes, and um, yeah, it's uh, it, it helped it helped melt the uh, the ice that was forming around my heart a little bit. <laughs> but of course, that's that's uh, that's for next week and not for this week. So I guess uh, once again, if you want to get in touch with us, moviesofmadness at gmail dot com is where you can email us. Nolan fixes teeth is my Twitter. What Jane, I'm sorry. What is our Twitter handle for the podcast? Because we, we oh we... it it no it's a no no it's not your fault. It's because I couldn't get cast of Cthulhu. Um, it's I gotta leave and look it up just to make sure. I want to spell it out for everyone. Let me get it ready. It is. It's actually just straight up cast Cthulhu. Okay. So that's it. Like they wouldn't let me put the and of for yeah. some reason that was taken. Yeah, so Cast Cthulhu, uh, C-T-H-U-L-H-U. You can, of course, find James at, at Fistful of Media as well. Yep. Um, and we do have a Facebook page. I, I've been trying to kind of keep it uh, somewhat regular there. But um, And please, like, if you want to email or message us on Facebook or something, just give us, give us films or a shorts or whatever to cover. Because I know shorts-wise, there's hundreds of shorts, especially... Whenever I look up, like, let me look up what's been at the Lovecraft Film Festival. I'm like, oh, my God, there's, like, so many, like, three-minute, ten-minute shorts. And I'm like, there's got to be a few gems in there. There has to be. There, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, like you said, no. there's there's an entire film festival built around his stuff. And so there there has to be, be there has to be some good stuff out there. And so, yeah, once again, somewhat encouraged by uh, the fact that uh, The Color Out of Space does exist out there. And we also thought that it would be appropriate with, uh, you know, Richard Stanley's uh, The Color Out of Space kind of making the rounds and finally have an official release date. Yeah, January. January. Yes. Yeah, 24th. So, uh, well, we, we, you know, we mentioned already, but when that comes out, we'll probably we, we got to do a bonus episode on that one, I think. Yeah, so. maybe. Yeah, maybe we'll actually just go and see it together mm-hmm. and then like give our reactions right after just 
That could we could do that. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? You know, why like, don't we just live stream the entire movie while we're in there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I've been I've been to screenings where producers were in the the screening room just talking the whole time. And I'm like, this is your film and you're shut the fuck up, please. <laughs> That happened once with Harvey Weinstein at a film, so it's kind of funny that oh boy, he's just a sh- he's just a shithead in all ways. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you you've I I've you seen the uh, the the clips of the of those those fem- those uh, women stand up comedians calling them out? Yeah, and then people like trashing them. I'm like, really? Like he shouldn't even be allowed out. Like I'm sorry, but well, that's all other can of worms. Yeah, there. Get, get back get, get back in your cage, Cthulhu. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, of course, uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, be sure to, um, tune in next time when we'll be talking about 2010's The Color, Color Out of Space, but in the meantime, we'll be waiting and dreaming with dead Cthulhu in his house at Relio. <laughs> <laughs>